The Voices of Search podcast is a proud member of the I Hear Everything podcast network. Looking to launch or scale your podcast? I Hear Everything delivers podcast production, growth, and monetization solutions that transform your words into profit. Ready to give your brand a voice? Then visit IHearEverything.com. Bridge Toll, California, customer service number. Highway miles to the gallon, Ford Focus. Thailand Cave Rescue Operation. What is Schema F? Best wine bars in San Carlos, California. Best Western hotels. How old is Ronaldo? What happened with Big Brother? What's a good engagement? How long before a wedding should I send out save the dates? Use IMAP to check email on other email clients. Identify fonts from where to find. We were four years Welcome to the Voices of Search podcast and I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we'll share the news, knowledge, and strategies you need to navigate the ever-changing world of SEO. Ready to expedite your company's organic growth efforts? Sit back, relax, and get ready for your daily dose of search engine optimization wisdom. Here's today's host of the Voices of Search podcast, Tyson Stockton. Hey, my name is Tyson Stockton from previsible.io. And in this episode, we're going to be diving into SEO strategy versus SEO tactics. Joining me today is Kevin Indig, who is an independent growth advisor who helps companies develop scalable growth strategies. And this podcast is also sponsored by Ahrefs. What if I told you that you could monitor your website's SEO health, backlinks, and organic rankings at no costs? Sounds too good to be true? Well, it's not. Because my friends at Ahrefs just launched Ahrefs Webmaster Tools. Ahrefs' new Webmaster Tools product quickly helps you improve your site's visibility by pointing solutions to over 100 technical issues that might be holding your search performance down. Plus, AWT monitors for backlinks so you'll know the most linked to pages and how those links are affecting your rankings. And AWT shares what keywords your website ranks for and compares how you stack up against competitors for key metrics like search volume, keyword difficulty, and traffic value. Look, monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools. And now, thanks to Ahrefs, that's not the case anymore because AWT will help you monitor your SEO health, backlinks, and keywords for free. And no, it's not one of those 14-day free trial offers. It's a powerful site audit tool that will keep working for you for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. All right, here's my conversation with Kevin Indig, Growth Advisor. Kevin, welcome back to the podcast. How are you doing? Tyson, I'm glad to be on. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so uh, we were chatting earlier right before we jumped in. And I think this is a great topic for people, a strategy versus tactics. And at least from, from my perspective, I think it's kind of within our nature of SEO to gravitate back to our comfort zone, which tends to be tactics. And so amongst each other, amongst talking to SEOs, we tend to get in the weeds and talk tactics. But like, I think it is really important piece to pull away from that, like, you know, take a step out of the forest, so to speak. But like, how would you kind of separate the difference between strategy and tactics? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm glad you addressed that, Tyson, because I would go out on a limb and say that the absolute majority of SEOs are held back by their lack of understanding of strategy. And the reason it is, is because when you talk strategic, you talk business, right? The tactical stuff is 
It's obviously fun, right? It's a lot of tinkering, a little bit of hacking. That's where SEO roots are settled in. But if you want to get things done either with a client or when you work in-house, you have to talk on a strategic level. The difference between tactics and strategy is that when you only do tactics, you'll often hear comments from leadership of, oh, hey, we're doing a bunch of stuff here. Like, why, what, like how is that all connected? And so the strategy, of, other than the tactics, is how all the things funnel together. And it answers the question of why. Why are we doing all of that stuff, right? Tactics are the what, strategy is the why. And the why can be things like, oh, we want to actually acquire customers at a more cost-efficient level. Or we want to unlock new waves of growth, right? Or we have to address a new market and we want to beachhead that market with a cost-efficient user acquisition channel. These are all strategic topics. And you basically get to the strategy from the tactics by asking yourself, why are we doing all that stuff? Absolutely. So formulating or kind of like getting to that, it's like a lot of times people, and I've seen actually kind of start from both sides, start from like the inventory of what needs to be done and like the tactics and then how those group together or more from the like, hey, as a business, we're trying to do this. We're trying to enter, expand our market through this facet, this area. From your perspective, is there advantages, disadvantages of kind of like your starting point versus, hey, we need to have both sides, but like, where do you kind of, where's your starting point and what do you grow into? You always want to go top down. You always want to start with the strategy and then boil it down to the tactics. And the reason I'm saying that is because if you want to get buy-in, you need to help people understand what the future will look like if you implement the tactics correctly, right? And the thing is with SEO that, first of all, it takes a while. It has a very slow growth loop or feedback loop, better said, where you, you, it just takes a while to see the results. And two, you need resources and funding, right? The, the, the fun thing about SEO is if you think about what the, the real output of SEO is recommendations, right? The things that we as SEOs actually do is, you know, maybe a couple settings in Search Console, but that's maybe robots.txt editing, but like what else do we really deliver. It's all recommendations. And that means if you give recommendations to someone else, you need to persuade them to do what you suggest to achieve your results. And for that, you need buy-in and you need, you need resources. And so you're not going to get either of these two things without, first of all, defining what success is. That's a core component of strategy. And two, helping decision makers understand what's needed to land the objective, to achieve the objective at a certain point of time. So you always want to start with strategy and then you can boil it down to the tactics. And the fun thing is then you don't have to talk very tactically to decision makers and, and executives. This is one of the biggest disconnects that I see in SEO is that you try to explain to say like a CMO uh, or maybe like a VP of growth why you need to say like 10, 15 developer days in a quarter to make some changes so that core web vitals improve, right? You already lost people. <laughs> as, soon as, core, as soon as you say the word core web vitals, you, you lose more executive, most executives, right? So you need to speak their language. That is strategic level. And it all comes down to, to getting buy-in for what you want to do. So that's why you want to start top down instead of bottom up. Fair. And I think to, if you start the other direction too, you have that possibility of kind of running down maybe a wrong path or something, maybe something that doesn't align with the business and you're sitting trying to swim upstream. Whereas if you're starting with the like the objective, then you're creating almost like that 
business justification or you're creating the business case for your work and then diving into like the pieces that make up that. What would you say like your perspective is like, how do you evaluate a good or a bad strategy? Because with this of like, hey, we're trying to do this, but it's a huge spectrum (laughs) and some like strategies could have holes and things like that. So like, what are some characteristics that you would say to a strong strategy would be? Great question. So we already spoke about objective, but just to to add it to the list here, the most important thing is to just define success in a crisp way. And that's where most strategies already fail, right? A lot of objectives that I see are increased organic traffic, or maybe, you know, maybe there's a, maybe there's a crisp definition of how much more organic traffic you want, but you actually don't even want to talk that much about organic traffic. You want to talk much more about revenue, impact on the company, bottom line type of stuff, right? Like customer acquisition cost efficiency metrics. It's really much more about what's the impact of the, on the company. That's the first part. The second part is including or and understanding the problems that are involved. There is a reason for why companies hired you either in-house or as a consultant or freelance or agency, right? There's a reason for that. They have a need and that need is often connected to some problems. Sometimes the problems are, we don't know how to do this. Other times the problems are, we have a very outdated tech stack or CMS, or sometimes it's, we were hit by a penalty, right? So Objective number one, then understand the problems and challenges. The third part is the risks. So you have to understand what could, how could this go wrong? Where can we minimize risks and, and what are the biggest ones? And number four is what are the requirements? So what do we need to get there? And then number five, what are the priorities? And then the priorities, that's where you can start to dig a little deeper into the tactical side of things. I would still suggest strongly to group tactical items. So it could be groups like content, technical SEO, link building. I wouldn't go too deep because that's not the, the time to go really in depth. But when it comes to prioritization, it's really important to understand what are the top three things that have to get done? How do they, what are the impact that they make? You know, how do they contribute to the objective? And um, yeah, that's kind of the five-step process to developing a really good strategy. But it all stands and falls with the objective. And I think two great takeaway is just the crisp or conciseness of it because you are appealing to such like, a broad group, like it may not be just one stakeholder, one executive, like you're needing to reduce that barrier to understanding. And so I think that simplicity and just conciseness is a really key aspect in the top level positioning of a strategy. Because to your point, if you lose them, the objective or like your description, the chances of them following you along to those tactical levels is just you've already lost the battle in that sense once we're getting into like the tactics and so we've started with our objective addressing those problems going through the five elements and then now we're kind of getting to the actual execution or implementation side like how do you make that transition or how are you communicating the body of work that then makes up those components within your strategy? Yeah. So you have these five pieces together. You have a good plan. You then align with everybody who's involved. That's a super important step that's often forgotten. Um, I learned that the the painful way. But uh, yeah, you have have buy-in and alignment with the executive. Then you need to make sure everybody who's involved in the project is aligned and on board as well. And then you boil that down to a roadmap. Right. So once you know the priorities and everything you need and blah, 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 right, you, you want to think about, okay, well, how does that play out over time? And what do we need to front load? 
And the, I'm saying that because not so there's not a perfect correlation between the things that have the biggest impact and the things that take the longest to implement. Sometimes you'll see that things that have lower impact actually have a higher cost of implementation, specifically when it comes to, to development or engineering. And so you want to map that out over time in a way that you can still execute on your biggest priorities, but that you also understand where you need to spend the most time, right? And where you need to sharpen the requirements and, and specifications the most. So roadmap is the next step in terms of timings. And I strongly advise to set these together with the teams that implement your priorities, right? So if it's a, a lot of technical SEO work, first couple of things you want to do is schedule a couple of meetings with engineering team or, or DevOps manager and talk through what are the bottlenecks, what information do they need, and what is their estimation of time that it takes to implement these things, right? Like uh, one thing is often forgotten is that as SEOs, we, we don't know all the pieces to the puzzle and we tend to underestimate a little bit how long things might take and who might need to sit at the table. So you want to do a couple of rounds of iterations with, with all these teams to make sure you have a tight roadmap. And then you can jump into execution. And what execution means, we can dive a little bit deeper into that. But it's not as simple as just sending Jira tickets to the teams. There, there are other things like hand-holding and reprioritization, refactoring that you also need to take into account. Absolutely. And I feel like one of the main things that you're hitting around is kind of the separation of a good and great SEO, where it's like a good SEO could be a very, very smart, sharp SEO that's able to identify all the things that are going to drive performance, but then limited in the actual implementation and like creation of buy-in and all those other kind of like soft skills that we have. And I think it's one of the most frustrating things if you've gone through all the legwork of finding it and then you can't get any traction with it. So like, that piece on meeting with the other teams, creating the individual department buy-in, in my experience, has been just as critical as any other step. And it's it almost feels like over time, you spend more and more time in that kind of chess game of business alignment, resource, stakeholder management than actually in the weeds of identifying what are the changes that I need to make. Yeah, yeah, that, that's so very true. I feel like the way that I explain it to myself or the way to think about it is that as an SEO, your job when it comes to execution implementation is to draw the boundaries. But you basically want to say, okay, listen, like, let me outline what we need and you fill in the color, right? Or you, you create the content. I can just say, these are the requirements. This is how things have to be for Google to understand it or for this to, to rank well. And everything else, you're the subject matter expert. I, I wouldn't dare to tell writers how to write, right? Or like what their style should be or engineers, you know, what language they should use to implement this. I can just tell them, hey, this has to be server-side rendered. Google needs to be able to render this. It has to have internal links, right? I can just set out set the requirements and then teams fill in the color. But that also tends to usually work really well. Most people don't love to get an exact prescription of what they should do and how they should do it. They want to have a little bit of a saying. And once you give them the space to do that, you also increase buy-in and interest, right? Like something that I, that I learned over and over again is that when you tell people what you want as an outcome, but leave it up to them to figure out how to get there, they're usually invested and they, they start to get curious and they start to get interested. So that's an important differentiation that can make all the difference. That's a... I mean, I couldn't agree more with that takeaway. Like if you come across too strong and too precise in the requirements, the chance of that pushback and just 
alignment. It's like people want to also their subject matter expert in that. And if you're coming in from the outside, like you're constantly felt with abrasion and kind of like resistance in that regard. And also with that too, it's like showing them or kind of leaning into how you can also support them and content teams. Hey, this is how I can get more eyeballs or how we can get more eyeballs on the work that you're doing can also kind of just, you know, help to bring them, bring them on board. One other item that we were kind of chatting about that I I wanted to get to in this episode as well is a lot of times when I hear the conversations around strategy, it usually comes when there's some new personnel component where you're a, a consultant and you come into a new client and you need to establish the strategy or you get hired in house and you're coming in and you're putting your fingerprints on like the plan for the year. But I think equally as important of whether there's not an existing strategy or creating one from scratch, but we're coming up on end of year planning and it's oftentimes something that's worth revisiting and being like, how can we improve our strategy? Is it the messaging within the organization? Are we actually needing to shift the focus because the business needs have changed? But I feel like that revisiting of strategy is something that we don't talk about as much. Time for a one minute break to hear from our sponsor, Previsible. So you're looking for SEO help and you got a couple of options. You could start replying to spam from agencies that claim they can get you to rank number one on Google. You can pay an hourly rate for a consultant who will inevitably nickel and dime you with hourly charges. Or you can work with a cookie-cutter agency to quickly launch a strategy-less project with low success rate. None of those sound very good, now do they? Well, that's where Previsible's integrated consulting model comes in. Previsible draws from a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to unlock your organic growth opportunities. They build custom solutions that combine strategy, technical expertise, content, and reporting to effectively operationalize SEO for your business. Previsible's four-stage approach ensures that your SEO programs thrive by starting off with a strategy-first approach. Then they support you in your efforts to create quality content, help you identify technical issues, and most importantly, they'll work with your cross-functional teams to integrate your SEO strategies to make sure that your SEO budget actually drives results, not just your agency's bottom line. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, Square, all who rely on the SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's previsible, P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. Would you have any like recommendations or tips on if and when an SEO strategy should be revised or revisited? 100%. Matter of fact, the last two years, I hope a lot of teams were busy constantly revising their strategy. And it's very tedious and exhausting because humans crave structure and it's super frustrating if you set a plan and then a couple of months and sometimes even weeks, you have to revise it and pivot and adjust. But that was just the reality over the last two to three years, right? And so basically, you don't want to just think about strategy in a silo and an an inside-out perspective, right? So inside-out is basically saying, okay, we're just going to focus on the company and what we do. And that's going to decide what happens on outside the company. But the reality is that consumer behavior shifts all the time. Things change and have an impact. And you, you much more want to take an outside-in perspective where you're like, okay, so what's the situation? Has that changed fundamentally? And does that force us or push us to revise our strategy? 
Another example is this economic downturn or high inflationary stagflation-like period that we're in right now, where we constantly have to revise and understand, does the, the behavior and consumption of our target audience change or, or maybe not? So you want to look at external factors to decide if you need to change your strategy and consider internal factors of, are we on track? That, that should probably be the biggest decision maker or needle mover that, that says whether you need to pivot or not is, is, you know, are you on track to actually achieve your goal or do you need to, to recalibrate and change that goal based on your performance? I think it is healthy to revise and, or at least look at a strategy again every six months. In my experience, everything that's more granular than that creates a lot of thrash and change fatigue at teams and companies. But again, in certain situations, it might be necessary to revise it every quarter and say, okay, we have a penciled in high level plan, but every quarter we might reshuffle priorities. Again, it comes at a cost of exhaustion and fatigue and cognitive overload for teams, but it, it might be necessary to get the business back on track or to, to overcome a big challenge that the business faces. I think that's a, it's a great point too on the inside out kind of perspective, because I think that like we do have a tendency to fall into that because it's like those are the walls or that's the space that you can control. So it's natural that you're going to kind of gravitate to that perspective. But obviously we're operating in an evolving landscape, something that changes over time. So it's like you can't stay too focused like on the inside. But also like with it, I think when you do make those updates and those changes, there's sometimes like differences of just like slight change in positioning. And so maybe your overarching objective is still relevant and consistent, but the problems that either the organization facing internally, how you're doing it or tactics that might support those can change. And so I think when you do revisit and strategy, it's like one, I would recommend it because it's like, just be honest with yourself, like you can't kind of keep your head in the sand, so to speak, if things aren't going the right way. But also when you revisit it, like really question too, like has my objective actually changed or are some of my tactics to achieve that are altering a bit? And then that sometimes can ease the conversations you might have internally of, hey, we're not changing what we're trying to do. We're reordering some of the pieces to support that. I think you make a very smart point here, Tyson, which is that your understanding of all of these factors is not the understanding of everybody else, right? And so by helping people understand how you reason about strategy changes, when you if you have to change strategy, that will allow them to make it easier for them to come on board with this, right? So I've noticed this actually a lot of times, even before COVID, right? Like I, at every business that I worked at, there were always challenges, right? And I think it's just the nature of business. And problems to overcome. And that sometimes means strategic changes, not as frequent as during the pandemic, but still, you know, sometimes you have to pivot. And when you help your peers, your executives, and the teams who work for you or with you understand why you make these changes, their buy-in is five times as high as if you just tell them, no, it's different now and that's the way it is. But if you help them understand, listen, these were my three reasons for my why I think we have to change. And this is how I reason about that. That creates a lot of alignment and, and willingness to pivot. So I think that's a, it's a really important point that you make that's often forgotten. No matter if you're a leader in a company, if you suggest as an individual contributor to change the strategy, or if you're um, an agency or an advisor. Exactly. I think across this conversation, one of the key elements is bringing 
the stakeholders and support groups with you along the way. And you're not, you're not working in isolation. We're not implementing these changes in most cases. So those relationships, being able to make it approachable and bring people along the journey is going to be such a key element. Yep. And I can, I can hear the eyeballs of many SEOs rolling right now. But because it's so, <laughs> uh, so business and so, you know, it's like so spiritual. But that's what strategy and, and getting stuff done takes, you know. It needs that type of stuff, which is often very meta or very soft, skilly, right? People are like, oh, alignment, what does it even mean? But it is, it is super important for everybody to have a shared understanding of what's happening, why you come to certain conclusions, getting the buy-in. Because realities, I hear a lot of complaints on Twitter about like, oh, we... Like SEO never gets funding and if SEO got only percent of the budget that PPC got, then, you know, we could conquer the world and all that stuff. But reality is that a lot of SEOs and the agencies fail at getting the strategy right. And that's why they don't get funding. That's why they don't get buy-in. So these things are important, even though they're not as sexy as the latest title optimization trick or internal link model and all that kind of stuff, which I love too, right? I, I, I wrote a lot about that, but, uh, you know, these things matter greatly. Exactly. When it comes to getting the budget, getting the buy-in, there's a reason if we look across other channels, why there's been so much of a focus in that space in those other channels. And so I think, you know, to your point, it's like, what can we do as SEOs to be a part of that and play that game to ensure then that we have the opportunity to do those other pieces? All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Voice of Search podcast. Thanks to Kevin Indig, Growth Advisor, for joining us. And in part two of this series, which we'll publish tomorrow, Kevin and I are going to be discussing where e-commerce SEO is going. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Kevin, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile in our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter, where his handle is Kevin underscore Indig, or visit his website at kevin-indig.com. And a special thanks to Previsible for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for support with all of your SEO needs, Previsible's integrated consulting model is there for you. They draw on a collective 40 years of SEO and digital marketing experience to help you unlock your organic search and growth opportunities. So join brands like Yelp, eBay, Canva, Atlassian, and Square, all who rely on SEO consultants at Previsible. For more information, go to previsible.io. That's P-R-E-V-I-S-I-B-L-E dot I-O. And a special thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring this podcast. Monitoring your website used to require multiple expensive tools, but that's not the case anymore thanks to Ahrefs because they just launched their Ahrefs Webmaster Tools product, which monitors your SEO health, helps you keep track of your backlinks, and gives you the insight into what keywords are performing for free. So check out Ahrefs Webmaster Tools at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's Ahrefs, A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T.